Good afternoon. This is Dr. Dan Guerra. This is Authentic Biochemistry Podcast. Today is 14 for 2023. This is lecture number 55 in immunoepigenetics. So I want to recap immune cell differentiation because we're going to be talking about specific classes, and I want to make sure that you have this in your mind and possibly even in your notes. So <clears throat> simplest way to start is from the beginning, you have a hemocytoblast. Hemocytoblast can generate a proerythroblast. Proerythroblast can be differentiated into a polychromatic erythroblast, and then finally erythrocytes. The hemocytoblast can also differentiate into a myeloblast. Myeloblast will give you a progranulocyte, and then progranulocyte will give you the major granulocytic leukocytes. They're basophils, cinephils, and neutrophils we talked about last time. <clears throat> the hemocytoblast will also differentiate into lymphoblastic line. The lymphoblastic line, obviously, we give you lymphocytes. And lymphocytes are a form of an agranulocytic, leukocytic, acquired immune cell. Now, hemocytoblast, going back to that, will also give rise, differentiate into a monoblast. Monoblasts, of course, are differentiated into a monocyte, and monocytes are another type of agranulocyte. Now, you know, one of the main monocytes is the macrophage line. <clears throat> so both granulocytes and agranulocytes form the group of cells called leukocytes. But only, now you understand, only one branch of that would be lymphocytes. And those are typically B cells and T cells. Uh, one more differentiation of a hemocytoblast will give you a megakaryoblast, giving you, of course, a megakaryocyte. And that will then differentiate finally into thrombocytes. Okay. So now there's more to this differentiation lineage, but I just gave you the first, oh, that's like, you know, Immunology 101. <clears throat> now let's do some details of T regulatory regulation. So the transcription factor, FOXP3, is an X chromosome encoded T cell, T reg cell lineage determining factor. Cytokines such as TGF beta and interleukin 2 are known to induce the expression of the transcription factor FOXP3. So interleukin-2 induces, as we talked about in previous lectures, I know, the JAK-STAT pathway. That's a signaling cascade that ultimately will initiate FOXP3 transcription. When TGF-beta binds to the TGF-beta receptor, protein called SMAD23 undergoes phosphorylation. That covalent modification causes that SMAD23 to translocate to the nucleus. The phosphorylated SMAD2 
binds to conserved enhancer regions or conserved non-coding sequences. Those are typically called CNSs. And that's going to occur right at the FOXP3 locus, where each CNS specific contains unique binding domains for unique transcription factors, all of which can work to regulate FOXP3 expression, which is the ultimate transcription factor, again, in Treg cells. Now, CNS1 is, an un, is unnecessary for thymus-derived Tregs. Remember, those are called TTregs. Unnecessary for TTreg cell generation. However, CNS1 plays a prominent role in periphery-derived Tregs. Those are called small p Tregs. So what about CNS2? CNS2 has a FOXP3 binding site. And it actually contributes to Treg cell stability. Now, this is where the epigenetics is going to come in, as you will see soon. Now, there's also a CNS3, and it has a, a, a particular binding site for the protein known as CREL, R-E-L. Now, that CREL binds to CNS3 increases Treg cell proliferation. So, FOXP3 ultimately activates Treg signature genes. What are those? The CTLA4, the interleukin 2 receptor alpha, the TNF RSF18, that's the TNF receptor superfamily member 18, and also something called the ICOS or ICOS, that's the inducible. T cell co-stimulator that participates in the suppressive function and also the differentiation of T-Rex. <clears throat> now to demonstrate the physiological consequences of FOXP3 mutation or deletion, the simplest way to understand how important that transcription factor is, is that if you mutate FOXP3 or you delete it, you will get a lymphoproliferative disease because Tregs suppress the other T cells, particularly the T helper cell line, Th1s, Th2, Th17, etc. So, so if you uh, corrupt FOXP3, you get lymphoproliferative diseases. And of course, that's going to be characterized by multi-organ lymphocytic infiltration. Okay. Now, <clears throat> more detail. Nuclear factor interleukin-3, or infill-3, is an E4 binding protein 4. That's E4BP4. And it functions as a repressor of numerous genes. So infill-3 structurally contains a basic leucine zipper domain. That actually is comprising amino acids 73 to 146 among some 462 residues. Now, the interminal part of that domain directly binds to DNA 
while the C-terminal region is responsible for homo and or heterodimerization of the polypeptide there in the nucleus in association with the DNA, promoter region, enhancer region, etc., as you might imagine. <clears throat> now, amino acids 299 to 363 are the discrete transcriptional repression domain. So enfil 3 represses genes by recruiting a histone deacetylase 2 and a G9A histone methyl transferase. So enfil 3 represses genes because it recruits other proteins. Okay, first of all, an HDAC, histone deacetylase 2, and then secondly, this histone methyl transferase known as G9A. Now, all that regulates multiple diverse biological processes, in, in not just in immune cells, because it controls circadian rhythms, overall cellular viability, and even its associate, infill 3 is associated with hepatic metabolism, specifically lipogenesis, and carbohydrate storage. Now, in immune cells, infill 3 plays a key role in B-cell immunoglobulin class E switching. And it also plays a role in infill 3 in the development of natural killer cells. So infill 3 binds to the Ig epsilon promoter and when it binds to the Ig epsilon promoter, it stimulates IgE production, that particular immunoglobulin. It's also, as you know, associated with eosinophils. So infill 3 deficient mice, what happens there? You get a dramatic natural killer cell loss. Now that's due directly to the influence of this factor on NK cell development but also maturation and function. So infill 3 deficient mice, this is again the murine system, will exhibit elevated IL-12 P40 expression in colon tissue. And what happens then is an induction of Th1 differentiation. And what that results in in the mouse model is a spontaneous colitis. Th2 cytokines are also affected by infill 3. And I can tell you that you get increased expression of interleukin 5 and 13 in infill 3 double knockout Th2 cells. <clears throat> Furthermore, infill 3 will link the circadian rhythm with the immune cell development. And it does so by a unique pathway that suppresses the TH17 determining transcription factor, and that is the ROR gamma T. Now, that's a retinoic acid associated receptor that acts as a transcription factor in TH17 cells. Okay? So, aliases for infill 3, in case you're interested. First of all, it's known as nuclear factor interleukin-3 regulated or interleukin-3 promoter transcriptional activator or nuclear factor interleukin-3 regulated protein. It's also known as 
nuclear protein transcription activator interleukin-3 binding protein. And finally, as I mentioned a few moments ago, E4 promoter binding protein 4. Okay. Now that's a transcription factor that specifically recognizes and binds to a sequence 5 prime G A T T A C T G T A A C T 3 prime. Now that's a sequence present in many cellular and viral gene promoters. What it does is repress the transcription from promoters by activating transcription factor sites. Now, those are known as ATFs. So it activates transcription from interleukin-3 promoters in T cells, human T cells. And infill-3 is a component of the circadian clock because it acts as a negative regulator of the circadian expression of the PER2 oscillation, right? That's the periodic oscillator protein, PER2. Violin infill 3 has history protecting proto-B cells from apoptosis, okay? Now, <clears throat> more details here. When you're looking at helper-like innate lymphoid cells, also known as ILCs, infill-3 plays a role as a transcription factor. Now, I have to give you more detail here. There's a promyelocytic leukemia zinc finger which is a member of a family of transcription factors that are specific to CD1D-restricted natural killer T lymphocytes. So a PLZF, that's promyelocytic leukemia zinc finger, a PLZF deficient NKT cell will fail to undergo what's known as the intrathymic expansion and effector differentiation that is absolutely necessary for their lineage, okay? So cell intrinsic infill-3 ablation results in an impaired development of all innate lymphoid cells, okay? Infill-3 deficiency levels lead to a loss in common helper-like ILC progenitors. Those are also known as CHILPs. Infill-3, therefore, is controlled finally by a mesenchyme-derived interleukin-7 cytokine. And that's found or expressed in lymphoid precursors. So infill-3 exerts its function in cell intrinsic fill ablation or chilt cells by direct regulation of a protein called ID2. So ID2 high cell intrinsic cell, cell intrinsic 
infill three ablation, okay, will give rise to ID2 positive PLZF, remember that's the promyelocytic leukemia zinc ringer, positive ILCP proteins, okay? Now, those will give rise to all the family of the innate lymphoid cells, including ones that express TBET as a transcription factor. Those are going to be the ILC1s. The GATA3 transcription factor, ILC2s. The ROR gamma T, ILC3s. And finally, the ROR gamma T will make one more uh, cell lineage, which will uh, ultimately end up being LTIs. So when you have interleukin-7 receptor alpha, interleukin-7 will bind to that protein and it will have a gamma C configuration, a heterodimer. That heterodimer, once activated by interleukin-7, will work through STAT5, the phosphorylate, the infill-3 promoter, binding protein, which will then turn on infill-3 expression. Once infill-3 is expressed and is transcribed and translated, it will drive ID2 transcription. Okay? Now, remember, innate lymphoid cells originate from a common innate lymphoid cell progenitor. Okay? So that that progenitor was the one that was called CHILP that started the whole process I just went through. Now, big caveat, transcriptional program that sets the final identity of all of those ILCs that I just went through is still not clearly described. What is known <clears throat> is that infill 3 acts downstream, as I just described to you, of the cytokine interleukin-7 signaling pathway, okay, going through that dimeric protein binding to its receptor and causing that STAT5 phosphorylation, what I just went through, okay? Now, then you'll get this emergence of a common helper innate-like lymphoid cell progenitor, and that will be from direct regulation of the ID2 protein. Now, finally, what's the ID2 protein? ID2 protein is a transcriptional regulator itself. However, unlike the zinc fingers, okay, this particular ID2 transcription regulator lacks a basic DNA binding domain, which negatively regulates the basic helix loop helix transcription factors. It does so by forming heterodimers and then inhibiting their DNA binding domain transcriptional activation. So ID2 is implicated in regulating a variety of cellular processes, as you might guess. What kind of physiological processes? How about cellular growth expansion, senescence of cells or aging, multiple forms of differentiation, outright programmed cell death in the form of apoptosis, 
And then when you start talking about specific tissues, ID2 is involved in angiogenesis. And because of that, there is a link to neoplastic transformation leading to oncogenesis. ID2 also inhibits skeletal muscle and cardiomyocytic differentiation. It regulates the circadian clock, ultimately by repressing the transcriptional activator activity of the clock, ARNTL, BMAL1, which ultimately forms, upon dissociation, a heterodimer. Now, that means it restricts the clock and the ARNTL BMAL dimer localization. So the clock is separate from that dimer. It inhibits all that localization to the cytoplasm and therefore plays a role in both the input and output pathways of the mammalian circadian clock. And the input component we have described previously in other lectures, that's involved in modulating the magnitude of photic entrainment. And then the output component, as I recollect, that contributes to the regulation of uh, lots of other liver or hepatic clock control genes. And this is where lipid metabolism is involved. So now you get this whole background information about how innate lymphocytic cells are controlled by transcription factors and then proteins that modify or repress transcriptional activation, including the ID2 protein. Remember, that's a negatively regulating protein because it lacks the basic DNA binding domain, okay? And so that means it's going to corrupt the basic loop helix domain of transcription factors. See how that works? Okay. Now I'll give you more details. Infill 3 binds to FOXP3 and it will inhibit inhibit FOXP3 target genes. What's a very important FOXP3 target gene that we've described many times? Well, <laughs> it is the interleukin-2 receptor alpha. So infill 3 will bind to FOXP3 thereby inhibiting FOXP3, which is the canonical transcription factor for Tregs, remember, it will inhibit the genes that are normally expect, expressed by FOXP3, including the receptor for interleukin-2, which acts as a growth factor, a cytokine growth factor stimulant of T regulatory cells. In fact, interleukin-2 receptor alpha plays a major role in Treg function as well as differentiation and all of this when you get this infill 3 will reduce Treg mediated immunosuppressive activity now in mice it was demonstrated infill 3 attenuates the immunosuppressive ability of Treg cells 
and and I I, I related that a few uh, five minutes ago because that's linked to severe colitis in, in the murine model. Other studies have shown that the methylation of FOXP3 CNS2 locus, remember that one we talked about. So I'm just going to have epigenetic signatures. Here it is. That is actually correlated with Treg cell stability. So that, of course, is an epigenetic phenomenon. So the overexpression of infill 3 actually increases the methylation at six unique CPG sites in the CNS2 regional domain. Now, one possible molecular mechanism underlying all of this phenomenon could be, it's, not, it's still not fully nailed down, but could be, that infill 3 will recruit that G9A methyltransferase. That, of course, following along on the phenotype you generate, induce a repressed chromatin state at that specific locus. So loss of Treg stability can be just demonstrated with this methylation sequence of events from NPHIL3, even under physiological conditions in the murine model. So overall, it suggests that Treg instability during an active inflammatory response actually leads to Treg conversion to an effector T-cell phenotype. Yeah, that's that de-differentiation if you're about Tregs. So the basic helix loop helix proteins represent, of course, a well-known class of transcriptional regulators. These have been around since, gosh, the 80s and 90s. That is in the literature. And what do they do? Those regulators act as heterodimers with a member, and, and they are within the member of a class of these other protein partners called E-proteins. So a wild, widely expressed class of inhibitory heterodimer partners are the inhibitor of DNA binding proteins. Those are the ID proteins, see? Inhibitor of DNA binding. We just told you about ID2, ID3. A lot more detail there, okay? Let me see how much time I've got here. Yeah, I'm going to stop there because I think I gave you a fair amount of very discreet information. And I don't want to add now some of the further developments of the ID activity in regulating, ultimately, VOXP3 in, in regulatory T cells. Because if I get into that, then I have to tell you about ID3 double knockout Treg cells. And that's going to involve at least four other proteins, one of which I already introduced to you. That was the E protein. It's going to be E47. But there are other proteins involved. I want to carry you through that process very slowly because I don't want to get uh, it confused with uh, what we just went through. So I'm going to stop there. I think it's probably the best uh, 
event to uh, carry through. So next lecture, I'm still here um, in the Inland Northwest, although I have gotten to a point where I think I've procured uh, a new domain in a new location. So soon, um, we'll be uh, moving to the new location, but not that soon. It's still going to take a couple of weeks. So I'll be faithfully giving you lectures, even as I'm packing things up, because that's what I try to do. This is Dr. Dan Guerra on a Friday afternoon, a sunny Friday afternoon, along the Clearwater River in the Inland Pacific Northwest, from Authentic Biochemistry Podcast. Wishing you a happy Friday night and weekend. Bye for now.